0: Hey everybody, welcome to Open Door Philosophy. I'm Derek Parsons, and I'm here with the fabulous Taylor Jones.
1: Hey everyone!
0: Welcome to episode 58, where we're going to talk about hope. What is it? What can it mean for our lives? And what do different philosophical schools say about hope? But, of course, before that, it is the blissful summertime. Taylor, how are you?
1: I am doing pretty good. I've been out of school for a week and a half now? Almost two weeks, so getting into the swing of things, but I have like an entire dorm room to unpack at my house. So that's kind of the big challenge for the time being. How are you, Mr. Parsons?
0: I'm doing so good. When this episode comes out, I'll be done. I'll be done with students anyway. Graduation is is one week from today. And that's great. That means it's summertime. Get a little downtime for the brain. I honestly haven't graded anything in the last three weeks and I don't really know what to do with myself on the weekends <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i have all this free time that's great that's great so looking forward to summer Go be in colorado the beautiful high mountain air of colorado mm. in a couple of weeks and you know for people who have listened over the years that is something i do every year and uh, really looking forward to it just go be kirsten and i wow
1: Oh, solo trip
0: yeah a little get away from it all so anyway that's me
1: very nice
0: well we don't have any uh, corrections from last episode that i know of thankfully no confusing who lazarus lazarus family <laughs> relations <laughs>
2: oh <goodness>. are
0: <laughs> but gosh uh we can't correct it but man the audio for me last episode was no bueno and uh, i don't know why we didn't know uh, it was that way until started editing post-production so we did what we could with it so if you listen to that episode hopefully it's not too deterring because honestly i thought it was a great episode
1: mm-hmm. yeah really cool transcendentalism one. episode yeah
0: yeah it was good stuff good questions in there anyway hey before we get going let's uh hop over to the bookshelf and talk about summer reads
1: So I really want to finish the Shadow and Bone trilogy first and then I picked up a new book called I have it here it's (laughs) Homecoming by Kate Morton it's Uh like a true crime novel about a lady whose family is wrapped up in a murder I think so Uh I wanted to read that and then obviously like most people I have a big physical TBR because I have a book buying problem and I <laughs> want to read as much as I can off of that before I buy new books.
0: Yeah, that is a problem. Well, great. So what, what do you mean you you don't want to read academic stuff during your summer break?
1: Um, so mm, that's a great question. I do have some philosophy books that I'd like to read, like a couple about Simone de Beauvoir. But I read so much of that during the semester in my classes that oh, I... Yeah think I probably need a break from like philosophical treatises. So
0: Oh definitely. I was being a bit sarcastic when I said that. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna read nothing but <laughs> read nothing but fiction over the summer. Yeah. Uh, if I'm in if I'm in your situation. Uh yeah, okay, well cool. Well for me, I'm currently reading The third book in what's called the Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. So the first book is called Annihilation, which was a movie, I think, in like 2016 with um, Natalie Portman. It's kind of eco-horror. It's a real interesting genre. But not like gross, like, guts spilling out of you horror. Uh, Yeah. Just weird. Just weird. But anyway, the first book was so captivating. I'm like, ah, I got to read these other two books. Book two, TBH, a little bit of a letdown after book one. But but I'm invested in the story. I think, uh, I think it's fascinating. So I'm on to book hmm. three right now. Currently reading that. The other, like from the philosophical world, the book I have to read that's kind of next on my list, it's called Life is Hard, How Philosophy Can Help Us Find Our Way by Kirin Setia. And I bought that. When did I buy that? I bought that in December. So it came out last year. So it's a new publication. And like you, I don't know why I'm reading after that because you walk into my office and I have this table and it's just <laughs> I mean there's probably twenty oh. books on it of books that I just have waiting to read. So my process is just like when I finish a book, I just kinda walk in there and mm-hmm. whatever whatever speaks to me, I'm like yeah. that's the one, you're the one. Let's go. So we'll see. It's filled uh it's got a few fiction in there, but it's a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's me and my summer reads. I'm going to uh, dive deeply. That's usually what happens. I really crank out some books in uh in June anyway.
1: I would like to read some C.S. Lewis of his like philosophical or like religious works because I've oh, heard yeah. good things. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. exactly where to start with that.
0: Oh yeah, if like the only thing you've ever read of C.S. Lewis is the Chronicles of Narnia or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh yeah, his his philosophical and academic work is is really excellent. Yeah, you should check some of those out.
1: Yeah, I have to go find something. They have a lot at our local one of our local bookstores in Waco. Mm -hmm. that's right by campus.
0: Yeah, cool. I've read a few of his. Let's see. Screw Tape Letters. Mm. I mean, outside of Narnia. Uh, Screwtape Letters. Mere Christianity. Mm. I think that's all I've read, though. Well, all right. Well, that's it, folks. Go out there and grab you a book. Okay, everyone. We're really excited to do this episode when Taylor and I were talking a couple weeks ago about it. We're like, what on earth should we do? Andrew is not with us, you know, do, do we, I mean, we can't begin a series because Andrew's not with yeah. us, so, you know, what do we do, and, and Taylor brought up the idea of hope, so this is a, a really cool thing to talk about from a philosophical perspective, and I can't, I have to say, I don't know that I ever have before,
2: mm-hmm.
0: taking a critical look at what hope is, and what can it mean for us in our lives, I've just always been like, oh, it's just a thing, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that we have. So, Taylor, why hope? Like, why did you, why did this pop into your head?
1: I think, especially after having like a whole class on existentialism, that I think a lot of people see it as this pessimistic philosophy or get it confused with nihilism. That I started to notice how hope is just kind of woven through everything, or a lot Mm -hmm. of philosophies of life have an element of hope that. You have something to look forward to and there's some sort of deeper meaning to life and there's more beauty in living fully than there is in just existing throughout life. And so I started to notice that and I thought it'd be cool to talk about on the podcast. And we couldn't do love because Andrew's not here.
0: That's right. Love is coming. Uh, But we need Andrew for that one. He's our lover boy. Yeah, I think (laughs) we've mentioned it. Andrew's having a a paper published on love. So we're going to save that for a little later in the summer. Yeah, no, hope's great. I did a lot of research for this on, like, different schools of philosophy and stuff, and, and not a lot of them directly address hope. Yeah. But by reading what's involved in their philosophy, you obviously pick up a sense that there's this thing called, or uh, baked within it is is hope. It just doesn't directly address it. So we'll get into a bit of that. Uh, before we get going, it seems like when we talk about hope or use hope, in our languaging it's usually because something is not great yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) i mean i suppose you can hope for good things just on the regular uh but you know we usually don't Mm -hmm. pull that word out until there's a challenging situation going on and i think of that of course on a societal level over the years over the centuries really But what are some current issues that that you can think of where you're like, okay, we'll we'll just have to hope for the best?
1: I think one that's more, like, not super pressing or, like, more personal is that with exams and stuff, like, you can do, like, you can study and prepare, but you kind of just have to hope for the best at the end of the day and, like, know that you're prepared. But then things that are, like, international problems – that we don't have any control over, like the human rights situation in China or the war in Ukraine, that like mm-hmm. we just kind of have to hope for the best and that our leaders can do what they need to do to bring some sort of peace to that.
0: Yeah, it seems like we bring up hope when situations are honestly out of our control. That might be yeah. one of the conditions for hope that we'll talk maybe a bit about mm. later. Yeah, that's yeah. right. These, uh, these large-scale societal types of things that we can't do anything about on mm-hmm. an individual level, or we feel like we can't anyway. Yeah, that's when we're like, yeah, we just got to hope that, that the universe is heading in the right direction. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, just current issues that, that requires me to find hope, mm-hmm. it seems like in our country right now, we can't get through a week with having a mass shooting. Yeah. And uh, I I hope that people in our government can make some decisions to try to address that rather than just going, ah, geez, uh, every time it happens. Yeah. I think about uh, women and other minority rights in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of a, an erosion of that that seems to be lately uh, a little bit, going back and forth on that. Some
2: mm-hmm.
0: And another, obviously for me, another one, like public education in the last couple of years has really yeah. come under fire, uh, like just disparaging and this sort yeah. of lack of trust in public education from obviously certain groups of people that's that's not universal. But, you know, teachers all across the United States mm-hmm. are just, I don't, I don't know how to really put it, just under the microscope um, on things that are, uh, quite frankly, ridiculous. Yeah. For people to disparage the pu- American public education system is just so misguided because, even though there's problems with the education system and those problems are constantly being worked on, uh, there's been no greater force for social equality in the United States in the mm-hmm. last 100 years in the public education system and uh, and for people to attempt to dismantle it, I think it's just so horribly misguided yeah, so there's my soapbox moment, <laughs> and the other <laughs> things uh, I also had things down there like uh you know the war in ukraine and mm-hmm. and things like that, so you know we think we're those are out of our control um so we have to hope right you know we have to hope how about this one too before we get going and uh, really diving into like what the nature of hope is Uh, can you think of any ways that hope is kind of used in popular culture
1: Hmm, that's a good question i don't know if that's something that i've noticed i guess like in terms of social issues here we have a lot of like just send thoughts and prayers just hope for the best Mm -hmm. that sort of rhetoric around hope i don't know i know in like more religious movies what is that movie where the girl has like the stomach problem and then she falls down the tree and hits her head
0: oh i don't know and she's fine (laughs) i I
1: can't think of it it's like it's not heaven is for real but it's one of those types of movies Uh that are really hopeful But I don't know how much I see, like, explicitly portrayed hope outside of sort of Christian movies.
0: Yeah. I don't have many either. The the couple things I did think about uh, is episode four of Star Wars is called A New Hope.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I
0: think there's a movie, I don't believe I've ever seen it, but there's a movie called Hope Floats or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) And uh, the other day I was driving down the billboard, you know, we're here in Houston and uh, Joel Olstein has mm-hmm. this mega church, and uh, you know there's this billboard of him and his wife, and, and the billboard said "Come home to hope," and I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, uh, so so you but you're right, and that's a, another example of, of religion peripherally, as Joel Olstein is to <laughs> religion. <laughs> <laughs> I have my opinions about Joel Olstein. Anyway, you're right. Like a lot of these uh, philosophical traditions or religious traditions I- involve hope. Although interestingly, the Western traditions incorporate hope. I think, on the whole, more than Eastern traditions. Mm-hmm. Buddhism doesn't necessarily address hope, like directly. Whereas yeah. the Gospels of Jesus, he yeah. talks about hope all the time. Uh, or Taoism, there's no there's no mm-hmm. mention of hope in Confucianism. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, there's hope that the system like say of confucianism brings about social harmony Mm -hmm. but it's not used directly as Mm -hmm. hope at least it's not spoken about as directly so that's kind of interesting
1: yeah i wonder if that's a difference between more of like monotheistic or like deistic religions Mm -hmm. and not like polytheistic or more naturalist philosophies that focus more on nature and not yeah. on a being. Yeah, yeah. But then Buddhism has deities and Hinduism has deities, but not in the same way that Western religions do.
0: Yeah, cert- certain branches of Buddhism have deities. And it, it, you're right, it's very different than, say, the Hinduistic conception, their conception of deities. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I do wonder now, now that we're talking about it, I have no idea how much hope is incorporated in the Old Testament. And I mean, Jesus was really like, I am bringing hope to you people. And I don't know how much it is incorporated in the Old Testament. That'd be interesting to think. And really, frankly, uh, the Judaic religion, I I don't know how much hope is is incorporated in all that. I would think a
1: fair fair amount in the Old Testament.
0: Oh, probably. I'm just saying I haven't looked into it.
1: Yeah, A quick Google search says that hope is found 14 times in the book of Job alone.
0: Oh, well, Job definitely needed some hope.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's like his whole thing. His hope in God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you lose it all, what do you have left? Hope. (laughs) Hope. (laughs) Actually, you know, this is so corny. Okay, I'm not a big fan of the new, new Star Wars trilogy, although I'm so happy it happened. I think J.J. Abrams <laughs> did a great job. But uh, like the end of the second movie of that episode, there's literally like five of them or something and they're all on this spaceship together and, and they're like, well, we're the Rebellion. I'm like, there's five of you. Like, we can do it. I'm like, boy, that's uh, that's some serious hope there. <laughs> oh my golly, this little kernel uh, <laughs> of hope. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, I guess when you have nothing left, what do you got? Huh? There you go, Hope. hope. Hope, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into the nature of hope, then. Yeah. It's kind of a, a weird question, I guess. I don't know if it's weird. What is it? What is hope?
1: I feel like that's like asking what is philosophy.
0: Oh, it's up there, yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I'm bad at definitions, I think. I just can't conceptualize things, like, into a succinct definition. Because hope is just yeah. such a big thing. But I'd say like a fundamental belief that things have a purpose and that they're good things come out of everything.
0: Mm. Yeah. You know, from a definitional standpoint, clearly it's not an object. You mm-hmm. know, can't point towards it. We can't measure it. We can't weigh it. So, so, then, so then it it falls in that category of abstract ideas that we have as human beings. And so then... You know, the question becomes like, well, where does it come from? What are its qualities and its traits? And, uh, you know, is it, and we'll get into this, but, you know, is it an emotion? Uh, Is it something that's rational? Is it just a uh, a means to express a different type of idea? Is it like a metaphor in a way? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, all those types of things. Yeah, I don't know what hope is either. It's this thing.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That we've kind of talked about in a way of like, Okay, well, there are certain conditions, right, that mm-hmm. typically we, we use hope, and that's when things are out of our control or yeah. when things uh, are not great. And so, you know, are, are those necessary conditions for hope? Yeah. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> All right, well, let's hop over to existentialism. I mean, you brought it up uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Is hope a condition of existence, right? Like, is this a universal fundamental human trait? Is it a condition of existence in the same way that, say, Camus believed absurdity is a condition of existence or how Kierkegaard believed that despair, that, that uh, episode we did a couple episodes ago, is, dis- is despair a condition uh, of existence. So in that way, is hope a a condition of existence?
1: I would say yes. I don't think that you can separate humanity from hope because... I think that we want to find meaning in things, and we want to believe that there are going to be good things out of any sort of negative situation, and that's why we have so many philosophies of life that point towards a direction of hope or try to organize things in a way that doesn't amount to meaninglessness. Like We want to find meaning in things, so I think that's evidence that we are hopeful. And if you're going to say that despair is an inherent condition of existence, there has to be another side to that. So mm-hmm. if there's despair, there has to be hope. Because like you can I don't think you can have one without the other.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So it makes me think of the Taoist conception of the unity mm-hmm. of opposites, right? So, yeah. so if we go, go with the Kierkegaardian idea that despair is a condition, that means it must have an opposite. And th- mm-hmm. those two opposites together uh, create One, some unity. So the opposite of despair, possibly hope.
1: Yeah, I think that's what he says, that there is hope, but to him it must be found in religion. That's the only way out of despair.
0: Well, that's another idea, right? When we talk about, Mm -hmm. is is hope a universal human trait? So clearly Kierkegaard is talking about hope in a Christian context.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. No one was more Christian than Kierkegaard. (laughs) So if, if we want to say like hope is a universal human trait, then we also have to take that same idea and apply it to some Polynesian islanders. And mm-hmm. what is hope in their particular tradition if it's a universal trait? And I'm going to just yeah. say, before like globalization, it probably didn't stem from a Christian belief. So yeah. if it's a, a universal human trait, you know, like we say, uh, you know, anger is a universal human emotion. Mm-hmm. All cultures, all humans have or feel anger as an emotion you know if hope is a universal human trait where does it arise from you know in some of these other in, in other cultures mm-hmm. around the world and i don't know, do you have an answer to that just come up with that real yeah. quick i'm just kidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah just off the top of my head
0: off the cuff yes access all your uh, knowledge about <laughs> cultures globally <laughs> <laughs> over the last five thousand years
1: yeah of course <laughs>
0: This is what we need ChatGPT chat GPT for.
1: I mean, or world cultures.
0: <laughs> in in or take a world cultures course. <laughs> Come on, well, people. Learning's important.
1: I mean, thinking about it, like all of the religious foundations, if you think of indigenous America or even like the Greeks and Romans, the mm-hmm. way that their religious systems were constructed was... In a way, pointed towards hope, like they had faith that if they performed their religious duties, that good things would come to them out of that, and that like in faith, there would be good things, but I guess that's still hope in religion. I don't know that we found any sorts of hope that originates outside of religion.
0: yeah, now I'm thinking of uh I'm thinking of nihilism in response to your mm-hmm. to your idea, every culture no matter what their background is, you have one of two choices. You can either believe that everything is meaningless, which is nihilism, Mm -hmm. or you can believe something opposite of that. And I guess what we're calling that opposite thing right now is hope. Everyone hopes in some way, in something. Ooh, this is a good one. It popped in my head. Is hope equivalent Mm -hmm. with faith?
1: I don't think they're equivalent, but I think they go together very closely. Yeah, That faith leads to hope. I don't think you can have faith without also developing some sort of hope in the goodness of the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have faith in in, in your hope. Yeah, <laughs> you have faith in your like hope, hope that hope things in. will get better. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Continue with the nature of hope. The whole feeling or emotion versus rational. And we'll get more into this, I think, when we get down into... Uh, like in what ways can we hope or what are the uses of hope? But is it just some feeling that we have, uh, is it emotion? Are emotions and feelings different? Or is it like, is, is there some rationality to hope? Hmm. Can it be, can you justify hoping in something in a quantifiable way? Like, is there data that you pull in to establish justification in hoping in something?
1: Hmm. I think to me... Part of hope is that it is kind of irrational that if everything is going wrong for you, but you still have hope, like there's no rational basis for that. If just one bad thing after another happens, but you still believe, okay, something good is going to come of that. Either it's from a God or it's from you're going to turn the situation around. I think that having hope in a bad moment could be seen as irrational, like if all the evidence points to things are just going to keep getting worse, mm-hmm. but you still believe that they're going to get better and there's not a rational basis for that, I'd say it's not rational, but that doesn't mean there's it's bad just because something's irrational isn't equivalent to like wrong.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, what for sure. What do you sure. think? Well, you know, I'm thinking of Viktor Frankl, the philosopher and psychologist who mm-hmm. survived like five Nazi death camps. And mm-hmm. now if we're gonna take this to like the, the furthest degree, talk about a place of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Right? You're in that particular situation. Where do you even find hope? It seems yeah. like like you said, one bad thing after another. Oh, in a Nazi death camp, it's nothing but one bad thing after another. Yeah. Like on purpose. And mm-hmm. you know, Viktor Frankel found this something inside of, of himself to try to care for mm-hmm. others in that situation. And I don't know if that's hope. I Yeah, Victor, I can't remember if he mentions it in his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, which is about his time in the concentration camps, but also establishes his psychology, which is quasi-existentialist in a way. I don't know if he directly addresses hope, but I would say the things that he did for others is an indication that, He had hope. Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, for myself, even though I may not think it through, if I have hope in something getting better, it's probably Mm -hmm. based on some data buried deep within myself of experience or having read things uh, where times were bad and things just get better. Mm -hmm. You can think of the Great Depression. We ever have another terrible recession or something like that, I could hope for it to get better, because there's evidence that this mm-hmm. happened once before. And I can be hopeful that it can correct itself again, or you can go back to COVID, you know, with yeah. uh, pe- lots of people made comparisons to the Spanish flu. And uh, what was that 19, 19, mm-hmm. something? 19- uh, yeah, Spanish flu, I mean, killed millions far more than, than COVID did, if I'm right. Yeah, so we c- we've gotten through pandemics before we can get through this pandemic as well. So, mm-hmm. so in that way, I think it's quantifiably justifiable but is it a feeling how about that like like an emotion is is happiness like you might say i'm i'm feeling mm. happy today uh, is it a, is it an emotion
1: i don't think it's an emotion like happiness or anger or f- fear but maybe in the way that joy isn't an, is a feeling or like a characteristic mm. because i think joy is vastly different from happiness Happiness Mm -hmm. is kind of in the moment, and joy is like something deeper or more profound Mm -hmm. than being happy in a moment. And I think hope is deeper and more profound in that way. So, kind of an emotion or like some sort of feeling within the human soul, but something that's deeper or less superficial than like regular feelings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When I think of emotions, I think emotions are so incredibly transitory. Uh, they're here and mm-hmm. they're gone. Um, yeah. You know, a, a feeling might stick around with you, like you're angry about something. And then two or three hours later, you're still kind of in a funk or something. But, mm-hmm. but the anger has passed. And same with happiness, you know, uh, a, a surprise birthday party for you. Uh, you're very happy about that. Yeah. You know, hours later, uh, you're probably not feeling the same level of happiness. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Uh, i like that i like that
1: yeah i guess it's kind of the same way that sadness is different than despair that you can be happy right if you're despairing in the cure guardian sense Mm -hmm. but you can be happy or sad in despair but it's different than those emotions that people feel
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's a great comparison one of my favorite i guess i'll call him a, a thinker it's the author and content creator, John Green. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this wonderful book recently called The Anthropocene Reviewed. Mm-hmm. I recommend everyone read it. It's very hopeful. and
1: It is very hopeful.
0: Yeah, it is. A kind of a, a hopeful in despite of it all, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said in that book, one of the quotes is, for me, finding hope is not some philosophical exercise or sentimental notion. So we think about emotions. It is a prerequisite for my survival. Like, mm-hmm. I have to have hope. And it made me think of that from sort of yeah. a biological perspective. Like, is hope something biologically mm-hmm. a part of who we are to mm-hmm. help? And I don't think John Green was meaning, you know, survival of the fittest and, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But it, it does make me think, you know, I was listening to podcasts a couple of weeks ago about love. And they're like, love mm-hmm. is like a survival technique for us. Mm-hmm. And helps per, uh helps uh promote our species or for our species to continue on you know do we need hope in order for our species to continue on
1: i think in a way we do i mean i guess thinking back to all of the earlier peoples that weren't as technologically developed they had some sort of hope so hope isn't a new age thing and it had to come from somewhere in some way so it would have to serve a biological purpose i would think to have originated from something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. But like <laughs> most things that survive this long have some sort of evolution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'd never really thought about that before. but
0: I haven't either. In fact, when I brought it up a minute ago, it was literally off the cuff. <laughs> I saw that word survival in this quote. Yeah. And it made me think of that. I mean, my gosh, if we don't have hope, you think of all the terrible things that happen in the world. at At yeah. the hands of other humans, but even also nature. Uh, terrible disasters, things like that, natural mm-hmm. disasters. You know, if we don't have hope, geez, I mean, why are we digging through the rubble to find one person, Yeah. you know, in hopes that there's one person that survived? Mm-hmm. What would happen to our species if, if we did not have hope?
1: Yeah, and people have been in conflict for, like, all of history, too. So <laughs> right? to find some sort of meaning in that, people had to have some hope yeah. that there was a purpose or things would get better in some way, that a conflict would end and there would be something good after it.
0: Yeah. Well, we've kind of merged into like, what, what are some of the uses of hope? Like practically yeah. speaking, what are some of the uses of hope? I think we've already addressed that a bit. But bouncing back to what we were talking about a minute ago, uh, there are lots of terrible things that happen in the world. Mm-hmm. Should we be hopeful that everything is heading in the right direction?
1: I think that we can be hopeful that things will turn out well, But that doesn't mean that we can let our hope lead to blind idealism Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: just think, oh, everything will work itself out. We don't need to do anything because I think it's kind of an easy path to make between being hopeful and then letting it blind you into being overly idealistic. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of actually my international politics class where we categorized fundamental world views and like the most idealistic is one of the representations of that is Woodrow wilson Hmm. and he was just very gung-ho after world war one like we're gonna spread democracy and everybody's gonna be happy and idealistic and like everything's just gonna be great yeah league of
0: nations yeah everything was not
1: great yeah Mm -hmm. because people didn't back up their hope the world leaders didn't back up the hope that they had Things would get better with any sort of action. So I think that we can be hopeful as long as we're still making progress and actually taking steps and doing things to make the world better.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, on, on this particular topic, I think of anytime time there's something that's going on in our society where there's been kind of a uh, you know a backtracking of say rights. Maybe mm-hmm. voters' rights is what we could talk about, or All the issues that we have in our country when the disproportionate amount of black Americans who are killed versus other races by police officers and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. and when that when that comes up, people protest and people are are angry and feel like this is all going the wrong direction. And the civil rights movement of the 60s, this is just Mm -hmm. trampling all over that and all that sort of stuff. And when those types of things come up, I often hear this quote by Martin Luther King the arc of the universe bends towards justice. Mm -hmm. And that's such a hopeful sentiment. There's no specificity Mm -hmm. in it. And what does it mean by the the universe bends towards justice? But it's the idea that this thing right here, right now is crappy. But if you look at the long-term trajectory of rights in the United States, it bends towards justice. Mm -hmm. And so I I hear that that, those types of sentiments in times where it seems like things are just very bad and going in the wrong directions. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned wishful thinking in a way. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So wishful. So hope can be uh, hope can be detrimental, do you think, in some cases? Like, should a person, you know, moderate hope, you know, or can it be Mm -hmm. something that is? that is detrimental in a way like can we hope too much or is there a wrong type of hoping i guess
1: Hmm. i think if you think of hope as something similar in concept to love that loving in a wrong way can be detrimental if you're giving up too much of yourself to another person in love
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: if you do the same thing and like lose too much of yourself in hope that it can be detrimental but i don't know if that would mean it's something other than hope like if wishful thinking and being overly idealistic is a completely separate thing than hope or like where on the spectrum you get to the point where you would be at a detriment by hoping i think that you can though that hope can be detrimental if you lose sight of what reality is, mm-hmm. then you're gonna be in a bad place. Like if you can't see what things are for what they are and mm-hmm. still be hopeful in that, then you've kind of lost sight of the purpose of hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe something we might call realistic hope. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Like you, like yeah. you have to take a, you have to take a a, a hard account of what the situation is. And then measure out exactly how much hope you should have. I mean, you don't measure hope, but yeah, Mm -hmm. we can get to a point where we're completely unrealistic with our expectations of what's possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that way it's kind of counterproductive. Can hope make us lazy? It's kind of the same thing. Like we just hope all the time. Unrealistic hope. We're just like, ah, we don't need to work on things at all. I mean, it's all going to work out.
1: Yeah, I would say it would make us complacent mm, if all complacent, we're s- yeah. being as hopeful or like sending thoughts and prayers and just we're just hoping things are going to get better and thinking they will and then not doing anything and we're just like complacent in that. I don't know if that's different from laziness Yeah. or where the line would be between those two things. But I think if hope is all you have and you don't do anything to move towards your hope, then it is counterproductive.
0: Yeah. It makes me think of uh, this quote by Greta Thunberg when she was speaking to the United Nations, members of the United Nations, about climate change. She said, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. Mm -hmm. Because wishful thinking, you know, I'm sure that's what she meant by hope. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that type of hope. Oh, yeah, we can all just sit around here in the UN and our you know air conditioned building and mm-hmm. our suits and dresses and uh be like oh yeah like the environment like we're going to get better at this mm-hmm. you know uh like no <laughs> like the time the time is to work and the time is now um yeah, yeah. especially
1: in the un it's easy for member states like France and Canada and the U.S. and Great Britain to sit around and be like, we're good. We're meeting our goals well enough Sure. when there's other countries like Yemen and Somalia that, and that attention isn't going to the right states. I think that's really poignant in the U.N.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know that book um, that I said I was going to read this summer and I am Mm. going to read it. The one about life is hard. (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I must confess, I read the last chapter because preparing for this episode, the last chapter of that book mm-hmm. is called Hope. And mm-hmm. so uh, the author, uh, I was like, can I really read this chapter without having the context of the entirety of the rest of the book? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I did it anyway. Very sorry to the author. But Curian Setia <laughs> says, for many, hope blurs into wishful thinking. And the more mm-hmm. we hope, the more we risk despair. Why put ourselves through it? But at the same time, we cling to hope, a seeming source of light when times are dark. Yeah, but the more we hope, the more we risk despair. I think that's interesting, too.
1: Yeah, great. The higher you set your expectations, the more room there is that they're not going to be met. And if you think something too unrealistic that's not going to happen, then you're just going to be more disappointed
0: yeah it's interesting i think of like long-term romantic relationships the more Mm -hmm. you fall for that person the longer you guys are together the more your two lives become one Mm -hmm. the the greater the risk
1: yeah the more you risk yeah the more you have to gain and to lose
0: absolutely so but then but then like but what do we do we don't hope you know yeah (laughs) but yeah we gotta hope we gotta hope uh As a seeming source of light when times are dark, despite the risk. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. The more we hope, the more we risk despair. Why would we do that to ourselves?
1: Yeah. Unless there's something in us that says, like, we have to hope.
0: Yeah, that kind of goes back to that survival deal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That there's
1: some reason that we hope, even though hoping too much can cause us so much pain, and it does over and over and over again, that we're still hopeful and we're still optimistic for the most part as... The human race, mm-hmm. I would say, is still hopeful.
0: Yeah, is it programmed into us, like we have to hope? Mm-hmm. Can't avoid yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the last couple of episodes, we've been focusing on uh, not only philosophy, but like how to practice that philosophy. Mm-hmm. And we we especially did that on the previous episode on transcendentalism. What are some practices that we can do to mm-hmm. be you know more transcendental or whatever? <laughs> so, I was thinking about that in relation to hope, like. Are there practices that we can do that can engender or cultivate or nurture hope? I thought that was a really interesting question. Is, is hope a muscle mm-hmm. that we can grow stronger? And if so, like how do we do that?:
1: I would say, yeah. yeah. that you can cultivate hope the way that you can practice being courageous or, mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other Aristotelian virtues of like courage or strength justice Mm -hmm. you can practice all of those things in finding the mean between two excesses that i would think that hope has to be the same like joy that you can practice being joyous in your circumstances so i think you have to be able to practice hope and be able to nurture hope when it seems that things are hopeless and like teach yourself to find hope in bad situations Because it's easier to just be hopeless in most situations and just think, okay, everything is going wrong, it's not going my way. But you have to look for the things that are going well or are going your way, especially Mm -hmm. in those times.
0: Yeah, that's always the advice when things are really bad. You're like, ah, Mm -hmm. well just look at the things that are good in your life. And sometimes that helps us once we get over our uh, emotional part of our despair. (laughs) We can look at it a more rationally and be like, oh, okay, well, things aren't that bad.
1: Yeah, not what we want to hear, but yeah, I think it definitely is what we need to hear.
0: Well, yeah, you brought up Aristotle. I think that's great. Uh, the comparison to or applying hope to the golden mean. You know, we become more courageous as we do courageous acts. We become mm-hmm. more, as a whole, yeah. more virtuous as we do virtuous acts. Mm-hmm. And that builds. And so if you, you know, replace courage on the golden mean, spectrum and and put hope in there. Well, uh, hope is something that lies between two extremes, right? Mm -hmm. And so I suppose on one end, you might have pessimism. And on the other end, you'd have unrealistic possibility. You don't want that wishful Mm -hmm. thinking. And so hope, you know, use use Aristotle's languaging to hope at the right time for the right reasons, Mm -hmm. in the right circumstances, in the right way. That's paraphrasing. But anyway, yeah, uh, that's interesting to apply it to The golden mean. Mm -hmm. So speaking of, or thinking of unrealistic possibilities or wishful thinking, it's always, and we'll look at this when we look at Stoicism here in a minute, one of the bits of advice with hope is that it needs to be grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to John Green, uh, this was a TikTok. Y'all ready for it? He was Mm -hmm. responding to someone who was going through a very difficult time. And he says this, Hope is a funny thing because in a way it's everywhere. Like people will say, everything happens for a reason, or it will all work out in the end, which are very hopeful sentiments. It's just that they're also, you know, bullshit. And for me, anyway, they just don't hold up in the face of real suffering. But I'll tell you what does hold up for me. There's an Emily Dickinson poem that starts out, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And you'll notice that Emily Dickinson doesn't say, that one never stops hearing the song of hope, only that it doesn't stop playing. And then he finishes with, I'm really sorry that you're in so much pain. And your pain is real, but the song of hope is still singing. And I know you can't hear it, but someday soon you will. Oh. And I just love that idea that hope, the song of hope, is always playing. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes we can't hear it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really striking to me that John Green is such a profoundly hopeful person, especially knowing all of the things that he's gone through just individually throughout his lifetime of like struggling with his mental health for so long and having, I think, OCD
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and like how he writes about those things and finding hope in that, but also in a way that doesn't idealize hope, that he's Mm -hmm. very realistic about it, but also firm in his assertion that there is hope and that you need to hope and it will find you again regardless of how bad your circumstance may seem
0: yeah he uh he and his brother Uh, did you just Mm -hmm. did you hear uh his brother's announcement yesterday Mm -hmm. yeah hank hank green yeah uh yeah hank hank green yesterday and uh publicly announced that he has cancer i don't even think he's 40 um mm-hmm. anyway, both those guys uh, are, are just good guys that do good things in the world. And uh, yeah. yeah, another thing to hope against, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's take an investigative look at what different schools of philosophy has said about hope over the, over the centuries. Obviously, this is not exhaustive, but here we go. So the first one I had was existentialism, and I have two examples for that. The first is Camus. So his book, The Plague, I read that during COVID. And I found it. Incredibly inspiring, even though it is darkly realistic. Uh, there's mm-hmm. two characters in there that contrast. Dr. Rue, how do you say R-I-E-U-X? Is it Rue?
1: Rue, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's Dr. Rue and then someone else named Cotard. So Dr. Rue, well, he's a doctor. And so there's this plague in this city and he chooses to be a healer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then this other guy, Cotard, chooses to run away from the pain of the plague and Mm -hmm. really gets involved in nefarious activities and crime and stuff like that. So two very different responses to this stimulus, which is Mm -hmm. a plague that's killing lots of people. And Dr. Rue says, I have no idea what's awaiting for me or what will happen when all this ends. But for the moment, I know this, there are sick people and they need curing. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I don't know that he necessarily discusses hope directly, but in his actions in that book, you see that obviously he has a type of hope. Mm-hmm. And there's another character, Tarou, who is his good friend. And he starts out as like not wanting to do anything about this plague situation, kind of run from it. But then throughout mm-hmm. the book, his character arc is that he develops into like, yes, I must absolutely do something to help. And, uh, and so there, Camus kind of saying hope is a choice. Mm-hmm. As the existentialists would say, everything is a choice. Of course. Yeah.
1: Nothing happens to you
0: that's right <laughs> everything's a choice i don't know thoughts on that
1: mm. i like that sentiment that hope can find us but we have to choose hope back that like it almost seems like it's also communicating that hopelessness is also a choice mm-hmm. in the face of hope that finds you which i think is interesting of course it's existentialist because right you know Nothing can happen to you without your consent. You have to choose everything for yourself. But I think that's something good for us to remember, especially when things seem bad. And certainly during COVID, when everything just seemed so terrible in every situation, that we can still choose to hope and we can still choose to do positive things for other people, even if it may not change the world, it'll change somebody's life at least in a little way, that we still have a part we can play to make things better.
0: Yeah, and you know, when we start despairing about really large-scale issues, we're like, oh, we we Mm -hmm. can't have any impact on it. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it, isn't it? That we can do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one more from the existentialist world, Jean-Paul Sartre, contemporary Mm -hmm. of Camus, says in existentialism, hope is a risk Mm -hmm. that must be run. So it is a risk, he acknowledges, but he says it must be run. For SART, obviously, hope involves risk. So, like, placing trust in possibilities that are not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting way to put hope, is placing trust mm-hmm. in possibilities that are not guaranteed. So, hope embraces uncertainty, which is mm-hmm. so existentialist. Um, it's <laughs> stepping, into, stepping into the unknown, acknowledging that all these outcomes that we desire, that we really want, they may not materialize, but we still mm-hmm. got to do it right? We still have to run that risk.
1: Yeah. I like that that acknowledges that in hoping for something, you do put part of yourself at risk. There's something on the line to hope that if your expectations aren't met that you could be losing, but there is more to gain. It kind of contextualizes that choice between hoping and hopelessness. Yeah. But I think in both of them, there's a risk that in choosing to be hopeless or to not find hope, You're also risking something because Mm -hmm. there's something to be gained in hope, not just Mm -hmm. something to be lost.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Well, let's uh, flip over to our friends, the Stoics. Now, (laughs) I got to tell you, Taylor, I did some digging. I could not find any Mm -hmm. Stoics that really mentioned hope. Not Aurelius, not Epictetus. They sort of...
1: That's so interesting. Kind of yeah, go around they, s- it.
0: They do. They kind of go around it. You know, sto- Stoicism is all about that the ultimate good rests within ourselves of living a virtuous life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the thing you got to focus on is mm-hmm. your own self. Now, they talk about how we are part of the cosmopolitan of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And that everyone is our brother and sister and that we are all one. And, you know, what we do affects others But that's why we have to cultivate our virtue, because what we do Mm -hmm. does impact others. But they never talk about hope. (laughs) So that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, that you know, rather than placing hope in external circumstances, Mm -hmm. they encourage other Stoics or Stoic students or whoever's reading them to focus just... Just focus on developing their character and acting virtuously. Mm-hmm. And I think, although they never say it, that by extension might result in good. And mm-hmm. good is, I suppose, ultimately hopeful. But yeah, they they don't ever Yeah, Mark really saying like Guys, let's have hope and that mm-hmm. everything will get better. No, he's like, uh yeah, this is the way it is, and so mm-hmm. we must uh we must develop our virtue in response virtue? to
1: Virtue I guess in the Stoic sense, it's almost a replacement for hope. Same with Aristotle, that it does the work that hope may do in other philosophies of life, that hope may serve a purpose of, like, if you believe these things and you're hopeful in this, then there are going to be good things, whereas Stoicism and, like, Aristotelian virtue says that if you do these things and you cultivate yourself in this manner— then you'll receive good things which may be the same goods that you would get in another philosophy of life by being hopeful yeah but it's almost like interchangeable
0: well to remember with stoicism they have this uh, emphasis on indifference right and w- whatever happens to you whether it's poverty whether it's health whether it's good things like wealth or you've inherited lots of money or you know whatever uh, all those mm-hmm. things are indifference and we should not look at those as good or bad. It's just what is. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in that way, what's the point of hoping? Because everything other than the cultivation mm-hmm. of your soul isn't indifferent. Now, there are preferred indifference and dispreferred indifference. And that's mm-hmm. some technicality with Epictetus. But, but none of that really is necessarily hope.
1: Yeah. Huh. That's so interesting.
0: So I guess maybe you'd be like, through a stoic lens, well, you can hope that You'll live the most virtuous life you can, mm-hmm. but there's no point in hoping in things that are external.
1: That's so interesting because reading meditations, Aurelius seems like a very hopeful person
0: yeah. or
1: at least optimistic about the way that things are. Huh.
0: Yeah, like take, for example, the, uh, the famous opening to the second book. Today, you are going to meet really terrible people when mm-hmm. he gives a whole list of what types of terrible traits there are. But then he says, but... I must work with them because they mm-hmm. are basically cut from the same cloth as yeah. I am. And the hand cannot do anything, you know, unless the foot is mm-hmm. uh, is helping out. Like, we all got to work together. Yeah. Whether that person is nice to me or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, I, <laughs> yeah, It kind of sounds hopeful. Like, I yeah. can do this. I can treat people justly, mm-hmm. even if they are crappy to me. Yeah. Well, hey, let's hop over to Christian Christianity. So Christian hope. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk about it, especially yeah. in the New Testament. Paul mm-hmm. gushes about it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus gushes about it. So basically, Christian hope is, hey, guys, this life sucks. But just <laughs> wait for what's coming next. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Going to be good times. So the only quote I pulled on that, although if you just do like a Google search or whatever of hope in the Bible, you'll have a bazillion results, but this one's from Matthew chapter 11. Mm-hmm. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give yeah. you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy mm-hmm. and my burden is light. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, life stinks guys. That, But hey, the meek, you meek people, you go inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so the hope in Christianity it strictly is, like, hope in something beyond this world.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Bible's all about hope, kind of the whole story of the coming of Jesus and the resurrection and the crucifixion and everything. Right. That because this, of that, we can plan. have hope. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So say you're not a Christian, you're not necessarily religious. Mm-hmm. Is there anything to gain from learning about Christianity? Uh, If you don't believe in an afterlife, or if you do believe in an afterlife, it's not probably maybe the conception that Christians might have of this Mm -hmm. thing called heaven. Is there still some utility in learning about Christianity as as a philosophy?
1: I think there is. And I think there's utility in learning about any philosophy. But I think looking at the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, when they didn't have Jesus to look at they had a prophecy that there would be a messiah at some point but you still see the nation of israel hoping in their enslavement and when they're in the desert for 40 years following moses and all of these things that just keep going wrong for them and they still hope profoundly that their god will deliver them
2: Mm -hmm. into
1: a better situation in every single instance that they encounter of these just terrible persecutions but they're still a hopeful people
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like the
1: stories the parables in the bible of people being hopeful and being good and getting good things that everyone regardless of if you believe in christianity or not that you can gain something from seeing how hopeful people are in the worst of circumstances
0: Mm, Like maybe gain some inspiration or something.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that that makes me think of our last episode on transcendentalism. Uh, I think I said something to the effect of you don't have to buy it. You don't have to believe in it. But one thing Mm -hmm. you might get out of it is by reading Ralph Waldo Emerson, his writing is so inspirational Mm -hmm. that it uh, might inspire you to have a different outlook on things. Whether that outlook aligns with transcendentalism, Mm -hmm. you know, might not be that important, but the inspiration that can come from reading Ralph Waldo Emerson
2: mm-hmm.
0: can be good. Hey, what a segue. So another school that I wanted to bring up was <laughs> transcendentalism, actually. So uh, so Emerson and Thoreau really talked about hope quite a lot. As a Especially Emerson, for him, hope was a type of transcendent force. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that uh, connects individuals to this higher reality. And you believe that when you align hope, with your true nature and purpose, it can lead you to a a sense of unity with the divine or the universal spirit, which, I mean, everyone, go back and listen to the previous episode. We talk all about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the transcendentalists were were quite hopeful. And in fact, if you look at some of the projects that the transcendentalists involved themselves with outside of philosophy, Margaret Fuller was Mm -hmm. probably one of America's first women's rights leaders, and transcendentalism had a big had a big uh, emphasis on um, uh, public education. Mm-hmm. And so they were like trying to restructure schools and stuff like that in hope that we can build a better, a better, brighter future. So anyway, mm-hmm. interesting there on the transcendentalists. And then our last one, we have, to keep in the American vein of of uh, philosophy, we have the pragmatists. And so the earliest pragmatists were, like William James and C.S. Peirce, but so William James, and we talked about him kind of some previous episodes as well, his idea of the will to believe. So the will to believe is that you take, essentially, uh, you believe that uh, that things will get better and your belief will help create that fact. So the significance of belief uh, for for pragmatists is that it shapes our experience of the world. The mm-hmm. world becomes different than it would be otherwise when we... Believe, and so if we mm-hmm. believe in hope, that shapes our experience in the world. So his quote from his lecture called "Is Life Worth Living," and I accidentally paraphrased it earlier. But he says, "Believe that life is worth living, and your belief will help create that fact." William James struggled tremendously with mental health, and mm-hmm. uh, and he he wanted to answer that question: Is life worth living? And mm-hmm. that's the, one of the more famous quotes from. From the end that belief and hope has the power to influence influence our attitudes and our, and our actions
1: i think that's really powerful that a lot of people could use today That same similar with existentialism that hope is a choice and that believing in hope changes how our reality is because how you see the world in a lot of ways is your reality we mm-hmm. can't escape our perspective So if we change our perspective, then we have a little bit of control over how our reality looks or feels to us. And I think that that sort of agency would be really helpful to a lot of people Mm -hmm. to remember that maybe they can't change their circumstances, but they can change how they look at the world Mm -hmm. in a way that they still have power over their reality when they feel like they don't.
0: Yeah, to be like kind of really simple about it, maybe you can think of people, or listeners can think of people in their lives that are just mm-hmm. really negative, and mm-hmm. and it seems like bad things always happen to them, and and they're just totally pessimistic all the time and always complaining, and and mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's this idea that if you just kind of have a, a positive outlook on life, mm-hmm. then your life will be better. Um, now the yeah. object, you know, the objectivist or materialist or whatever in the crowd, you know, all oh, this will drive them nuts, mm-hmm. um, but. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of woo-woo. But you know, William mm-hmm. James, who was also a psychologist, he's a, he's kind of he's considered the father of American psychology. Uh, this idea that uh, that your belief and hope will create will help create that fact. Yeah, well, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's we gotta it. we gotta wind this thing up or out. We actually or,
1: got through everything.
0: We did get today. through everything. That's pretty impressive for us. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah well hey you know congratulations to ourselves
1: yeah round of applause
0: (laughs) round of applause for us yes (laughs) very good well hey everyone we thank you so much for listening and we hope that you will subscribe to our uh, content wherever you find it we're kind of all over the place but please pass this on we hope that you will pass this on to your friends who uh, might need to find some hope in things. This will be a great episode for him to listen to. But anyway, thank you for listening, everyone.
1: Yeah, and let us know your thoughts about our episode or anything that you would like to contact us about on all of our socials, on Instagram or Twitter or at our email at contact at Yeah,
0: and you know, Andrew is really intent on growing this YouTube Oh, presence. YouTube! Yeah, YouTube. so he, he is uh, hopeful... That will continue to uh, to grow, so. Yeah. And it's just terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, guys. That's it for this week. We had a great time. Hope you did, too. We have too. to thank
1: Kevin MacLeod.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you to Kevin MacLeod for the use of his free music. We hope he's doing well.
1: <laughs>
0: and remember, when your life is in need of some philosophy, the door is always open. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you.